So the wildest thing I ever saw happen at an insurance agency is when I was running a 10,000 unit fleet and the insurance agency came out, they sat down with me and they said, based on the driving skills of your 10,000 drivers, you are uninsurable. And, and took off and I needed to find a new broker. We had a lot of bad drivers, a lot of bad drivers, wow. a lot of accidents. And uh, so that was uh, that was the craziest thing I saw was finding out that we had a company that size that was uninsurable. Oh, oh that is crazy. Yeah. Well, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Brendan Keegan. Uh, I'm an insurance dude and I run Merchants Fleet. Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretziger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance dudes. Boom! Boom! All right. So, wow. Wh- Ten th- was there a gap? You know what? Here's here's what it was like. We had uh, we had ten thousand drivers out there, and they were bad drivers. <laughs> all, all of them. them? All of them. That's a uh, lot of bad drivers all in one place. Here's the thing: like at the company, like we reported everything as an accident. If there was a fender bender got reported as an accident, when in reality probably shouldn't have reported that as an accident. So it just it was just uh, <laughs> moderate was high. We were uninsurable. We actually um, had to self insure for two years. Improve oh, wow. and uh, and then and then go back to market. So pretty crazy. So, so let me ask. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> you self-insured a ten thousand. I mean, yes. I guess I guess that's what count a lot of counties and cities will end up doing, right? Because they have the big coffers. But still, it's a lot of risk, especially yeah. if there's ten thousand bad drivers. Yeah, we have to we have to post a lot of money up. It was it was a it was a big challenge. We we got it we got it under control. We went back and uh, I can tell you one thing we did, we uh, in, in the company right now, Merchants Fleet, we, we're a commercial fleet company. We got 200,000 uh, vehicles on the road and we're big fans of telematics. We want, yeah. to, pro- we want to proactively know, hey, we're, hey, what are those, what are the drivers doing on the road? How can we prevent mm-hmm. it? Create a point system. You get so many points for being uh, hard braking, speeding, whatever, you know, and, and you're out, you're out. So, but we didn't have telematics uh, back when I just told that story. We happen so, to know a few large carriers what? that really are into uh, telematics. Hmm. Can it, you it, name them? No, actually, I'm not. <laughs> oh, you can't like name them. one of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, it's interesting though because we, I mean, we as agents hear a lot about telematics, and usually it's like uh, maybe with a little apprehension from some of the agent force out there, but like. From your angle, especially having that many drivers, wow, how valuable that can be for Huge. you. Yeah, well, you know, I've got, uh, I'm just thinking, you know, w- one of my clients, they drive, um, uh, you know, big F-250s and they're 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 pulling things, pr- pretty heavy things. And every week she'll get a report of, you know, all the bad drivers. And every week she'll have somebody trailering over 100 miles an hour. Wow. Whoa. And, you know, and that's just, you know, that's. That's just not good. And and, no. and and there's so many use cases for telematics and in driver behavior. And ultimately it's it's you know, the, the the companies want their drivers to be safe, but they also want the people on the road where they're driving to be safe. And um, I'm pretty confident that the uh, the insurance agencies, you know, want that out there. You know, it's a, it's a lot less risk to to insure. But yeah, the telematics, you know, you get a you get an exception report every morning at eight AM comes in, tells you all the uh, all the bad things that some of your drivers did. Dude, I wow. mean, 
a truck, a two, an F two fifty pulling something going a hundred is like a death machine. Like that thing is just, whatever it hits is going to die. And, and here's what's crazy: it happens weekly, and they know there's te- a telematics device in the in the truck, and they still do it. Well, it's because they've already drank five beers by then, so then it doesn't. They don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's pretty insane. Um, now, just uh, hopefully, Elon's not listening to this. Yeah. But I know that with the telematics, there are ways of there are ways to beat it. Right? There's like ways to game it, like hard breaking, yeah. and you just you end up, you know, you could drive through the neighborhood and go like get 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 up to speed, and then like just drag the braking out so that. So what? And how do you know that, Craig? Huh? And how do you know? I that? have the Tesla app, and I have to <laughs> because I get you know I know that I have a hard brake, so I have to fix them. <laughs> That's why I hope Elon's not listening. <laughs> oh, Hypothetically speaking, good. of course. Yeah. 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 Have, have you caught any of that? Have you caught? Yeah. Oh, the oh there, there, there's hard braking. There's idling. You know. Um, and, uh, you know, getting off the, a little bit of the, with the telematics device, one of my favorite applications is, uh, you know, one of our clients, you know, they get the report every day and at the end of the day, they send it to HR and, you know, I was asking, well, you know, uh, help me understand why do you send this to HR? And they go, well, you know, a lot of our guys are contractors and some aren't the most honest and they put their time cards in every day and they say, oh. yep, I, I work till five, but yet the truck left the job site at one fifteen. or you know and and then idling you know um you know idling is a big thing just uh you know emissions is is something our clients are really focused on and you know heavy idling times when did the vehicle need to be idling and 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 that will report back but you know there's the the speeders the, the the people that aren't where they're supposed to be then there's route optimization just getting people to where they need to be faster and and then there's uh you know hard braking um speeding and then just uh, just just little things like idling, which is more you know environmental and and you know what's best for the vehicle, what's best for 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 usage. Crazy. So I'm assuming you didn't start your career with 200,000 uh, vehicles rolling on the road. <laughs> no, so you, no. Yeah, take us back to the humble beginnings, like what where you where you found your passion and and, and kind of t- walk us through that experience. Yeah, so say if I took you back like high school, college, I always um I always liked student government. Um, you know, always liked uh kind of uh being in the student government. Uh went to an engineering school, learned how to program. I liked program, I liked technology, and I started at a company uh, that Ross Perot founded back in the day called EDS. I was a programmer. Oh and, cool. Uh, you know, and, and what's funny is after a couple of years, they said, Hey Brennan, we really think you're good with people. Now, what I didn't ask at 23 was, does that mean I'm not good at coding? Which I, I, I really want to go back and ask them because I, 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 think, I think they put a period at the end of the statement, you're really good with people when it should have been a comma because you're not as good at coding. <laughs> or um, there, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, so so then, you know, I started my leadership journey and, and you know, from there on, I've, uh, you know, um, uh, actually today is my 26th wedding anniversary and I've been a CEO, president CEO now for 24 years. And, oh, and, and really- Really like leadership's my passion, just uh, going into companies and and helping people uh, grow, develop, uh, you know, attracting good talent. Now, but the way I got to merchants, what's interesting about that is, you know, that 10,000 person client, uh, the 10,000 yeah. fleet, that was 2009. I was actually merchant's largest client at the time. Wow. And then, wow. And then um, you know, being more from the technology side than the vehicle side, you know, they asked me to join their board and help them build out the technology at the company. And the only warning I'd give your listeners out there is 
you know, hey, if you're a board member and you keep making lots of suggestions and you kind of bug them enough, eventually they say, hey, buddy, you think you think you got all the answers? You think you're so smart? Why don't you come run the place? <laughs> right. And, and uh, then then you do. Then you do. And, and here I am. Super cool. It is funny, like um, how synonymous like leadership is with, I mean, you being married for so long, like that's that is a leadership role that's probably even harder. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say my wife has the harder side of that of that journey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, do you have kids? I do. I do. A nineteen and twenty one year old. So so uh, it's been fun it's, watching their like, journeys. You are yeah. one year in in all three things past me. So I'm twenty five years married. Yep. Yep. I have my son is eighteen and my daughter is well. My daughter's twenty two. So okay, on that one. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Or I got you on that one. I don't yeah. know. Whatever. It, <laughs> Crazy. It's so funny. we're both old. <laughs> no, Jason, I'm, I'm Jason slightly I'm, younger. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, I'm looking at you. You look like you're staying young. I you're, try. You're, you're doing, you're doing well over there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it's just, you know, all the knickknacks around me. Keep me young. <laughs> right. Know, are you out in Huntington beach as well? Are you out no, in- I'm in Arizona, Tucson. Okay, there you go. There, yeah. keeping keeping you warm and young out there. Yeah, leathery skin. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but it's just, so like the reason why I asked you that is because that that whole like being passionate about leadership and leadership is so important in the workplace. I mean, I just it's like one of those skills and um, things that like when you are married and you have kids, you start taking a little bit more seriously because you understand how much uh, it is needed and, and what an impact you can make. I just wrote an article the other day. I think it just came out maybe, um, let's say Wednesday, Monday, and it's on, you know, parenting and mentoring mm. and, you know, how do you parent your kids, you know, but also how do you give them some mentorship? And it's just, uh, you know, it's been interesting. You know, my, my dad called uh, high school and college years as the Valley of Ignorance. You know, when you're younger, you know, your, your parents are the smartest people. And as you go through high school there, your parents' IQ generally goes down until, <laughs> and, until senior year when, you know, they, they're, you know, the lowest IQ and then it picks back up. But, you know, it, it's, it's been funny. You just seeing with my own kids as they're starting to, you know, my daughter, like look for an internship. What am I going to do after school? And then their friends. And, you know, I just took, um, uh, my son's a senior in high school. I took all a group of his friends away and, you know, all of a sudden they're asking me like, what do you do? And, what should I do? And it's just neat when you start to, um, you know, see young kids like look to other people and say, like, how, you know, how did you get a job? How did you decide where you were going to school? And, and I love those conversations, especially mm. with young people, because if you invest in them, if you invest in them, you can legitimately change the trajectory of a 20 year old's life. Yep. Just with. And by the way, not with magical advice. Sometimes the advice is absolutely so basic. Mm. It, it's almost always that way, right? It, it is. It it's is. But like, like we were, we were just talking earlier about something I read in a book and, and basically it's, it's the whole, you know, keep your friends close, your enemies closer thing, which it's like, this makes sense. But then reading through these examples, it's like, ah, oh, it's so obvious, you know, and just <laughs> something that you don't like all these great things that are so obvious that just you don't apply. Right. Yeah. And then you, you struggle, 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 struggle. And you're like, oh, Maybe I should do it this way. And that was the original way that we should have done it when we were looking at it the first time, right? Yeah, so why absolutely. do we do that? Why can't we take the known 
thing that that the guru or the person that is mentoring us is telling us and just do it? Why do we have to go, no, no, I got to do it this way and then I'm going to fail, 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 fail. Okay, I'll do it that way. You know, I think it's as simple as we're all units of one. You know, we're each unique. <laughs> right. we're, we're all on our own journey and we're all like building up our experience and our know-how. Sure. Now, I do think, you know, maybe people that get somewhere earlier, somewhere could be uh, college, it could be uh, a first promotion, it could be um, buying a house, whatever it is. I think those are people that maybe were better at listening to those mm-hmm. around them. And, and and I know, you know, I had mentors in my life and you know, I think one of my mentors at one time probably kept me out of jail for homicide when I was running hot after a meeting. And, you know, uh, other mentors, you know, like made things that were really big in my head, you know, like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. And they're like, it's a blip. It's a day. It's a week. You know, if you got a 30 right. year career ahead of you. And but when you're in the moment, it, it's big. It, it, you yeah. don't have perspective. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so I think that's something and, and you don't have perspective because you, you don't have perspective. You don't have experience. You haven't been through it. Uh, you know, we have interns here at the company and and, you know, you talk to them and you realize, you know, wow, you know, a 20 year old is, is a 20 year old. You know, they're they're learning. They're, they're learning things for the first yeah. time. They you know, it's it's what do I wear in the office? You know, like <laughs> they they don't know. Yeah, um, it's amazing. The, the like because we were all there. Right. Like yeah. you, you see them do it and you think back, you're like, oh, wow. I remember when I learned that thing and, and it's just nuts that they don't know it. And for the last 30 years we have, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, yeah. in, in, in some ways, the environment now, I think for a young uh, person with aspirations, I think with the hybrid and remote, I actually think it's harder because, you know, like sometimes you just, do, do, you know, being at home, and in remote, if that's your job, I, like I, I look at some of the lessons I learned, they were just by being in, like watching the person next to me struggle. I remember at one point, you know, they said, Brennan, we want to put you in sales. I had no idea how to sell whatsoever. But I remember listening to this guy, Jeff, I sat next to, like listening to him on calls with clients and and asking him, how do you prepare? If I were remote, I just wouldn't have had those yeah. those learning experiences. So, you know, one thing I tell young people in their careers is is whether you can be remote or hybrid, go to the office. There's yeah. just stuff. And by the way, it's really tough getting the next promotion or next assignment when you're not known. Yeah. And, and, and when you're remote, it's very easy to forget a, a young person, for that matter, anybody, when they're remote. Yeah. Versus, Definitely. hey, who, who's the guy that sits in the third row? He, he's a really hard worker. He's here all the time. Who's that? Yeah. Um, sometimes that's the person that gets that little break. And it's just because they were there. They were known. I mean, one of my mentors called it the law of physical presence. He goes, you, no. you, you got to be there to show up. If you want to play the big game, you got to show up. Yeah. Mm. You can't play in the Super Bowl remotely. But just think of that. Just the law of physical presence. Just show up. Like, it sounds easy, but you know, like it's, it's sometimes it's not the hardest part of going to the gym is just going there. There you go. Right. It is funny though. Like, uh, that is, that is the thing, right. And the default is to not go into work because the, the benefit is that you can work remote, but like, 
then it's like, what's your competitive advantage to your peers? I mean, definitely going in because, right? Because at least 50% of them are choosing home. That already puts you in the lead, in the lead above 50% of the employees at work. So that, I think that's a that's one of those great leadership pieces of advice for younger people. Um, cause I feel the same way. Like if, if my employees are eager to come into work, it's like, wow, thank you. Like, um, I mean, there's a, there's a certain level of confidence and buy-in that you feel when somebody actually wants to come in. Well, also what I just think of, like, just think of my day today. So, you know, you get your calendar, it's laid out and then there's things happen. Mm. Well, if you want those things to happen and somehow maybe land on your desk with more responsibility or more whatever, like sometimes it doesn't go to the most qualified. Sometimes it goes to uh, who's known, who's available, who's around, who's got. And and again, if you're not there, well, you know, I, you know, uh, uh, I'm a big Patriots fan I, on the East Coast. You know, Bill Belichick used to have a line: "The best abil- ability is availability." Mm. You know, if you're on the injured report every week, it doesn't matter how good you are. I can't play you. So, you know, the best ability sometimes is showing up, sometimes being present, being available. Um, and, and that, you know, we just, when we had our interns, we did a little thing uh, a couple weeks ago. And when we were saying goodbye to them, they said, Hey, Brennan, you know, what's some advice? That's one of the things I said is, you know, be known and also know what you want. Like, I can't help you get where you want to go if you don't know where you want to go. But if you if, if you're if you're if you're a 23 year old and you come to me and you say someday I'd like to work in finance and I'd really like to understand more about accounting and I can put that in the back of my head a project comes up and I can go oh what about Charlie but if if, if I say hey what are you looking to do I don't know right I can't I can't help you get to I don't know land 100%. right it's so funny. funny it's like full circle it goes back to what you were saying earlier of how you became chairman of the board was because you were there. And you kept chiming in and they're like, yeah. well, if you squeaky wheel, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, I say that and, and, and now let's go to the boardroom. Let's go to the boardroom. So we were just at interns. We'll go to the boardroom. You know, as a board member, you've got a responsibility to kind of, you know, listen, absorb, but also give back. And, mm-hmm. you know, in, you know, too many times and, and I'm thinking nonprofit boards, you know, whether it's with your kid's soccer team or school or, or, or a, public company or private company, it's, it's, you know, are you showing up in, in governing or are you showing up and adding value? And, mm. and it's not, you know, it's like, let's say you have four board meetings a year, showing up to the board meeting. That's the minimum. That's like going to practice. If you're a high school athlete, that's the minimum, you know, do you, do you want to, do you, do you want to start for varsity? Do you want to make varsity? Do you, do you want to play in college practices are the minimum? You know, what are you doing outside of practice? Are you are you lifting? Are you conditioning? Are you so you know if you're now a board member? So we'll go from intern to board member, show up to the meetings. That's like going to practice. Like, of course you go to the meetings. Right. But you know, I are you learning about the industry that the company's in? Are you researching their competitors? Are you thinking of ways they could improve their top line, their bottom line? Are you are you at a conference and you network with somebody and you go, you know what? I want to put you in 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 touch with this company that I'm on the board of, and it, it's no it, think of it, it's no different. One might be a 21 year old, one might be now a 50 year old. We're kind of doing bookends there, but you know it's it's uh, it's showing up. But then it's like now it's defining what is my value add. What more can I? What more can I do? What more can I offer? Right. Yeah. I but love in, that. So it seems to me that if somebody isn't showing up there's some level of, of 
maybe fear, uncertainty, unsure, uh, like not not feeling good about themselves, self doubt. Um, I know in in your book, FUD Factor, which is back there behind you, you talk yeah, right about here. Oh, you right talk here. about like overcoming these things, how to how to overcome these things, and why kind of why they're in roaming around in our head. Could you could you go into that a little bit? Yeah. So you know, like when we were all born, we actually didn't have fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and then unintentionally the world started imprinting it on us. So, you know, one example I use in the book is, you know, as kids, we probably all skateboarded and yet, you know, parents will say, Hey, put a helmet on. Well, <laughs> no way. But, but the kid was, <laughs> this kid's like, the kid was not thinking I'm going to get on the skateboard. I'm going to fall. Right. Like there was, that was not in a five-year-old, a 10, it wasn't even in their thought process, but we, we injected it. And, you know, and by the way, we, we do, you know, all sorts of this. So, and next thing you know, someone's saying like, you know, hey, am I going to make the team? And then it's like, you know, I'm not going to try out because it's easy. If I don't try out, then I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to fail. And I'll tell you today, I think there's more expectations on people than there's ever been. Social media puts like um, pressures where are you cool? Are you invited to the party? Uh, are you doing fun things with your family? You know, I like that shirt that you say once in a while. I wish my life was as good as yours is on Facebook. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, you know, there's this, there's this, you know, uh, you know, expectation out there. So that actually creates, that accelerates fear, uncertainty and doubt. And, you know, a, as you look to overcome it, one of the first things is, you know, I have a saying, have the courage to fail and the faith to succeed. You just have to say, I'm willing to fail. I'm willing to fail. And, you know, short of, of, you know, certain jobs, like if you're in the military, you're in law enforcement, you're, you're in healthcare, you know, most of us have day-to-day jobs that if you fail, things are going to be okay. Things are going to be okay. So I'm not suggesting that, you know, if you're the receptionist at the hospital, you try surgery, not going that <laughs> far. But, you know, if we don't have surgeons that are that are pushing for new procedures, we're never going to solve, um, you know, uh, d- diseases and illnesses. But there, what, what I find interesting is, is culturally companies can take that fair way where you talk about your failures, you talk about your successes. You know, I know here at, at merchants in the last five years, you know, we're a 60 year old company. We went from 500 million to uh, two and a half billion. We had this tremendous growth, but we talk about our failures. We talk about businesses we entered that just failed. And what that sends a message to others that you can start a business or you can have an idea and it's okay if it fails as opposed to, um, well, you know, that team's no longer here, you know, you know, or sweeping it under the rug and not talking about it. But, you know, I've never met anybody in any profession doing anything that's great that didn't fail a lot. Well, yeah, 